Now, Asia First on CNA 938. Earlier this month, uh, we crossed the three-year mark of the coup in Myanmar that saw Aung San Suu Kyi's civilian government toppled and a military junta led by General Min Aung Hlaing come to power. Now the country's military rulers are planning to implement conscription laws as its intense civil war against ethnic armed forces continues and the military spokesperson announced this week that it would begin a two-year mandatory enlistment in April and this would affect men aged 18 to 35 and also women aged 18 to 27. For more perspectives on the wide-ranging impact of this move, we're joined by Mr. Christopher Lamb, former Australian ambassador to Myanmar. He's also the past president of the Australia Myanmar Institute. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for joining us here on Asia First on CNA 938. We want to begin with this question. What does this decision to implement mandatory military service at this point in time tell us about the state of the military junta's battle against the ethnic armies thank you i think that one of the most important things to consider when looking at this is that they have never had to do this before they've had the law on their books and available for years but they haven't used it before and one of the reasons for that is that the tapador as the armed forces are known in myanmar is something which has had a revered place in the minds of nearly all the people in the country. It was the body which, after all, brought Burma to independence, which uh, basically consolidated that independence, fought for it against other rebellions over time, and stood firm against the prospect of foreign intervention. The fact that they have done this now, and to activate the law, and they still haven't done the regulations under which implementation will follow, is an indication to all all the people in Myanmar and most people outside that the military has failed to uphold that that place in the minds of people. It is no longer a body to which young people uh, readily attach themselves. So the absence of, of voluntary recruitment is what's forced this, and this is not lost on the people in the country. It's another sign to them that the military has failed. What about the state of its battles with the ethnic armies, especially in the northern part of the region? Is there anything that can be read into how they are seeing that battle progress and fare at this point in time with their decision to introduce these laws or implement these laws at this point in time? Yes, because it's in the north and the and for that matter the west on the Arakan coast that uh, people are now seeing that the military is unable to maintain the control that it has always asserted that it can maintain. And that control is something which they backed up with the statement that they are the true uh, safeguard of Myanmar's independence and of the country's own future. They are not seen that way anymore. And the battlefield losses that they've experienced are well known through the country and are part of that story. Christopher, even before the announcement of the enforcement of the conscription law, the junta troops were reportedly rounding up civilians in the villages, putting them to work in various capacity, capacities, rather, including, according to some reports, as human shields. Now, presumably, they will be able to do that at a national level. So what impa- impact is this announcement having on the psyche of the Myanmar people who have already lived three years under the military junta? Well, they have lived for more than 70 years in a country which is ruled by the military with an iron fist. 
And uh, I should think that the human shield story is probably accurate, but it's probably also not complete. Uh, the military have always used civilian populations for their own purposes as forced labor and in a whole lot of other uh, situations within towns and villages where the military have used the, the local population for their own purpose. And there's no popularity in that. What they haven't been uh, obliged to do is to take that out into other parts of the country, into the Bama hinterland, where the majority of the population live. But this law, the, the application or implementation of this conscription law will strike hard at those parts of the country as well, not just the ethnic areas. So it will strike, strike hard in those areas, but will it also push more young people to join the resistance uh, forces instead? I think it will, yes, I think it will, and I think it's a misplaced endeavour. But it's also because of that, and because I'm sure they understand what they're doing in that sense, it's also a sign of the desperation of the military. And that's what interests me, is looking to the future at this issue of desperation and what that might mean to the military's grip on the population. Talking about that, how much political risk does this move carry for military leader Min Ong Lang? We're hearing that casualties and desertions from the military are at an all-time high and he is also facing eroding public support. To what extent could this very unpopular move be a catalyst for a much more significant challenge to his grip on power? He doesn't have public support and, and nobody would kid themselves in suggesting that he does. Uh, what he has had though, and continues to have, I suppose, is the unstinting support of the people in the military, so the senior figures in the military. And they may see that this is the only thing they can do to preserve their hold on power. There will come a time when that shows itself to be misplaced and other people in the military at senior levels will ask themselves the question of whether they should continue to tie themselves to Min Aung Hlaing's personal future or whether they should be looking for another way forward. And I've held the view for quite a long time that the, the military is not going to be defeated on the battlefield in a traditional, normal battlefield sense. They will be defeated from within themselves. And there will be discussions taking place within the military about whether Min Aung Hlaing is the vehicle which they see taking them forward. And that will translate into the question of whether the Tapador is going to try to preserve its reputation within the minds of the Burmese people as the... Uh, the consolidator and protector of the country's independence and national interest. And I think they will there will come a time, not too far off, when those people in the army will say, if we're going to hold that position in the minds of the Burmese people, it can't be done with Min Aung Hlaing. And uh, Christopher, you know, with the conscription of obviously young people at their productive prime, what impact do you think this will have on the economy and what sectors might most likely be affected the most? Well, I, I should say that although we think of young people as being the logical targets of this conscription activity, you'll see if you look at what's been said so far, that they also aim to conscript doctors and professionals in middle age. So the, the age limits uh, are not stopped at young people. They go further up and they go for quite extended period, so that even after they've done the, the conscription period, that conscription can be extended for five years and they can be subject to call-up after that conscription stage is over. So the, the population are essentially terrorised into understanding 
that if with men on high in power, their own futures as independent personalities within the country are very limited. Now, uh, another point comes from that. According to the figures that we've seen, uh, they intend to uh, conscript about 60,000 people at the rate of five people, 5,000 a year or something like that. It's a little unclear. That's a big sector of the population. And if they draw it from only those places where they have sufficient control to be able to do conscription effectively, it will hit even harder into the Bama districts of the country. And I think that that will have a significant impact on the economy. Among other things, it means that the people who have had the who have the training to be a contributor to the economy will be missing. They'll be uh, conscripted into the army. And they won't be, of course, there willingly uh, in other countries where there's conscription. And that's the case in very many parts of the world. Conscription into the army or the armed forces is equated with doing a, a national service for the country's benefit. Nobody in Myanmar, in the civilian population, and therefore among the population being conscripted, would have the understanding that they are going to make a contribution to the nation. There's nothing about the nation in what the army is trying to do not right now. And on that note, there are reports that many who are potentially going to be affected by these conscription laws are finding ways to evade it, including leaving the country altogether. How concerned should Myanmar's neighbours be, especially those that share a border with the country, about a potential exodus of young people across their borders? In that sense, we're really talking about Thailand and perhaps India. Uh, I think that, the, that neither of those countries would want to see an influx of people from Myanmar running from conscription. But what they would actually do about it is very difficult to say. A lot of this will have to be discussed in, in the future when we see what the regulations are, and how April turns out as, as the first conscription month. But I think that they will do a lot of harm to the country and harm its relationship with the people next door. It also means that the, the population within the country who are not themselves conscripted will have relatives and friends and people in the village who have been conscripted, and this will only harm the, the military's ability to hold power and will also harm the military's ability to convince the neighbouring states that they should for example, return people. I don't see any sign that Thailand or India would return people who fled because they fear conscription. I'd also like to see how international organisations like UNHCR and the International Organisation for Migration treat this. And what other countries, even Australia, would do if someone turned up seeking asylum to avoid conscription. That would normally suggest to me a successful refugee application. Mm. Just going to ask you, Christopher, just very quickly. I mean, where you are, of course, you're in Australia. How is the Myanmar community responding to this? I mean, are they trying to make arrangements for relatives and friends to leave the country? I'm going to go to some events on the weekend, which is tomorrow. Mm. I might be able to learn something from people. But at the moment, I think they're, they're basically looking at this as just another effort by the military to, to consolidate or strengthen their grip on power. They haven't really looked at it in that personal sense yet. Okay, well, thank you very much for joining us uh, today, Christopher. Christopher Lamb, their former Australian ambassador to Myanmar and also past president of the Australia Myanmar Institute. Thank you. 